Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. It is the Week 11 Wednesday show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. If you want a recap of what happened in Week 10, listen to the Monday show with Chris Raybon and Ian Harditz. Ian, by the way, is the guest for this week. You can follow Ian and my regular Wednesday co-hosts, Peter Jennings and Sean Corner, in the Action app at iHeartIt's CSURAM88 in the underscore odds maker. Ian is the director of the Fantasy Labs NFL platform and an Action Network analyst. Peter is a Fantasy Labs co-founder and two-time DFS world champion, and Sean is the Action Network director of predictive analytics and the number one in-season Fantasy Pros ranker for each of the past three seasons. Gentlemen, uh, welcome to the jungle. In this episode, we're going to talk about our main slate, chalk locks, our fade are undervalued plays and stacks we're going to make some bold calls and prop bets do us a favor as you are listening to the show please rate and subscribe the action network nfl podcast on itunes subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and for all of our written content go to the action network and fantasy labs you can get our weekly fantasy rankings at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy guys let's jump into it uh six teams are on by this week. It's the the last of the huge bye weeks. So let's get into the uh, the chalk locks. Some of the guys right now we might be looking to roster and cash. And let's start at the quarterback position. Ian, are there any quarterbacks right now who are catching your eye? So no one's really popping uh, for me at the moment. I will tell you the one guy that I might not be as high on as uh, some of you guys, Cam Newton. I mean, look, I know he tore up uh, last time he was in Detroit, he tore up that defense. He's been having a fantastic year, really best we've seen since his uh, MVP campaign. But I mean, this is just looking like it's going to be the slowest matchup of the week. Carolina's 29th in situation neutral pace. Detroit comes in at 26th. Um, a lot of Cam's runs are designed, but the amount of zone Detroit runs is also worrisome for his rushing floor. Uh, they've allowed a legal 55 rushing yards to quarterbacks this season. I mean, that's only about 15 yards removed from Cam's per game. So something has to give there. But I could just see this one being a slower-paced matchup where we're not seeing Cam's usual passing volume. And then if we take away uh, some of the usual success he has in the ground, not, not the usual upside. Plus, if uh, Darius Slay finds a way to come back, lock up punches, not loving what I'm seeing out of Cam this week. Sean, curious if you have any thoughts there on Cam or uh, any of the other guys. Newton is someone who is popping in a couple of our models. Um, yeah, I definitely love the Newton call. The other guy that I'm, I'm getting a bit of right now early in the week is Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think, you know, having that bye week is going to help that rib heal up. So we could see him rush a lot more. And, you know, with Watson, that's, that's where we're going to want um, to get most of our points. Um, so I can see him, you know, breaking 30 yards rushing this week. Um, and, you know, that's an extra week of building chemistry with Demarius Thomas. And the Redskins aren't really an imposing matchup. They've allowed 300-plus uh, yards against uh, three quarterbacks in a row. So 
Um, not afraid of the matchup. And most importantly, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson is too cheap right now. So um, all signs are pointing to Watson for me right now. All right, Pete, what are you looking at? Yeah, I think the one guy that we haven't talked that much about is Drew Brees. And Drew Brees, to me, in this matchup, if Philadelphia can keep it remotely close, can go absolutely ham. This Eagles team, especially in the secondary, is playing really, really bad football. And really the key here uh, is going to be the game flow. Um, I do think the Eagles are still a good team against the run. And I think the Saints will look to beat them through the air. Uh, the only thing that will limit Drew Brees and gives me a little bit of pause is what the game flow will look like. But I'm pretty optimistic that the Eagles will be able to put the points on the board. Um, I think another week for Golden Tate will be helpful. We saw how effective Zach Ertz was. And I think Carson Wentz is actually playing really good football. It's the rest of the team kind of letting them down. So I'm in on Drew Brees, uh, even though he's expensive. Uh, I think he makes a lot of sense this week. Uh, it's a lot to pay for a stack, but uh, cash games, I don't mind starting with like a Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. Well, Pete, let's follow up with uh, two running backs who are popping in our models, uh, Kamara and Ingram. Uh, do you have any thoughts on how you would potentially use those two guys? Yeah, I used a good bit of Ingram last week, which was really fortunate. Um, I do think Ingram at 4,700 on DraftKings is enticing, but doesn't set up to be the same. I do think that they'll have more success throwing the football, so that that does give me a little bit of pause. But, yeah, they're they're both great options. It's amazing. 8,200 for Kamara and 4,700 for Ingram. And I know Kamara's gotten a lot of that red zone work, but we did see two touchdowns from Mark Ingram. Uh, granted, it was a blowout, but. Yeah, I think they're both in play. There's probably some other guys I like a little bit more. I could see Deion Lewis bouncing back in this spot. And definitely at the high end, you know, I think Barkley's in consideration. I think David Johnson, uh, given that he was finally utilized, uh, or he has been utilized in the passing game since the coaching change. And uh, Christian McCaffrey's in play as well. So Kamara fits in with those guys. And I think those are tough decisions early in the week. Um, Ingram's the highest in the model for me now at that that really cheap price tag, but I'm a little worried that the game uh, won't play out the same way it did versus Cincinnati. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Pete said here. I think it's more of a Kamara game than an Ingram game. Uh, this Philly run defense has, for the most part, been really good for the last several years. I mean, don't let a Sunday night kind of sway our recency bias too, too much. I mean, Zico Elliott has 200-yard rushing games against the Eagles since 2016. The rest of the NFL only has two as well, so... They've uh, shut down most of the people. And also, uh, the Saints left tackle, uh, Teron Armstead, is questionable with a shoulder injury. So, I'm not convinced they're really going to be able to dominate the uh, line of scrimmage and kind of open things up for Ingram. We've really only seen him dominate in these two complete blowouts. And I, I don't think that's going to be the game we're going to get here with Philly. They can probably at least keep scoring a little bit. So, definitely in agreement with Pete, uh, Drew Brees' game. Uh, the one guy I think you got to consider just jamming into whatever lineup you have this week and moving forward is Saquon Barkley. I mean, he's killing it and everything this year. I think I don't think anyone's denying that, but he's literally only one of eight RBs to average over 24 points per reception per game over the last five seasons. I mean, he's legit 2016 Le'Veon, David Johnson. I mean, he has that receiving workload and he's doing it all behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league because he has this big play rushing ability. So just a pretty high floor, I think, with Saquon with the receiving week to week and just the potential for blow up is uh, too big and really any matchup. So I'm going to find a way to get Saquon in most of my lineups. Yeah, Saquon, I don't know if these numbers are still real, but Saquon entering this game was uh, on pace to set, you know, like NFL highs, not just like for rookies, but like for all running backs in NFL history and uh, his reception production. So uh, definitely someone who has a lot of utility, uh, kind of regardless of game flow. Uh, Sean, any thoughts on running backs? 
Yeah, I love Barkley. Um, right now, he's my top projected running back for this slate. Uh, we have to remember we don't have Gurley or even a guy like Kareem Hunt on this slate. So um, running backs sort of bunched up up top. A guy I like is uh, David Johnson. He's he's a little bit cheaper than these top guys, but I think you can place him up there. Great matchup um, at home against the Raiders. And we've seen ever since Byron Leftwich has taken over the play calling that you know we're, we're more confident in how they're going to use him. So I love David Johnson up on the top end and Deion Lewis is sticking out a lot for me right now. I don't know if they just, you know, accidentally used the same price as last week. I think he's the same price at 4,800, but you know, the, the Titans were dominating that game. So they didn't really have to use him much in the passing game. And he still ended up with 20 carries. So he's, he's the bell cow back for the Titans. Um, and they're facing an indie team that hasn't allowed a hundred yard rusher this year, but that's not really um, Lewis's strength. They've, they've struggled against pass catching running backs. So, I love Lewis a lot this week at, uh, you know, 4,800. Okay. Well, uh, two wide receivers who are popping in our models kind of go along with running backs we've mentioned. Uh, Michael Thomas is at the top of some of our models and then Odell Beckham Jr. So I guess the question is, uh, how are you thinking about uh, using these guys if you also want to use Saquon and Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram? Uh, Pete, let's start with you. Yeah, I prioritize Michael Thomas uh, in this spot. Um, he's been so ridiculously good. And really all that slowed him from going for like 40 fantasy points last game was the Bengals not putting any points on the board and Michael Thomas basically being able to take the majority of the second half off. So for me, it's Michael Thomas in this matchup. I like stacking him with Drew Brees, who I mentioned. I think there's a lot more safety with Michael Thomas than Beckham. Even after a nice Monday night game from Beckham, um, there's just more ways he can fail uh, at 8,400 versus 8,800. You know, if you're going to play these guys, you'll have to find some value at running back. Maybe Deion Lewis is that guy. There are some other cheaper studs. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins at 7,900 and Antonio Brown at 7,800 are nice pivots away. Obviously, Antonio Brown's going to see Jalen Ramsey. It's on the road there are a lot of concerns for me uh when big ben plays these 1 p.m road games but uh 7800 for antonio brown's really cheap and definitely wants some exposure to deandre hopkins if you're going to play some watson lineups i think that makes a lot of sense and then in the cheaper tier i think we'll see a lot of people gravitate potentially towards these detroit wide receivers uh, i know marvin jones uh, got a little beat up i'll be watching that and the question i have i guess for sean how are you use doug baldwin uh or i guess doug baldwin's on the other slate uh, so I don't want to dance about Doug Baldwin. Michael Crabtree's the other mid-tier guy that's popping for me. I want to play Cortland Sutton at some point, but it's probably not the right matchup because uh, the Chargers are playing a lot of good defense. So all the guys at the top of my model right now, it's DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, AB. Uh, so does anyone have any good savings options? I think we need some some injuries to sort of open up some value. It seems pretty well priced right now. Uh, a guy near the top that I think is a little too cheap this week is Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I think, you know, AB is going to get a lot the, the Ramsey treatment this week. And uh, boy, he's reeled out again. Then uh, Juju could have some great matchups. Um, and he's only 6,800. So I think that uh, we'll have to monitor, um, you know, how they plan on matching up. But I think Juju could have a blow-up game. Well, a couple things, yeah. Juju in this slot, uh, even if Boye does play, I think there could be a lot of uh, a lot of upside there for Juju. And Ian, I'd like to get your thoughts because you do the uh, the wide receiver cornerback matchup piece each week. Uh, I imagine, I think if you've maybe already submitted that, but I imagine you're going to be talking about uh, Antonio versus Jalen Ramsey. Any thoughts on that matchup and any of these other wide receivers? Yeah, it's interesting because – Obviously, Antonio Brown balled out against the Jaguars last year. He has the two uh, highest receiving yards total games against the Jaguars over the last two seasons, including the playoffs. 
Uh, but in those games, they didn't shadow Brown with uh, Ramsey because A.J. Boye was fully healthy. And you have two cornerbacks that good, uh, not a bad idea just to leave them on their own side. So Boye's missed the last two weeks. I'm not sure how healthy he is coming into this Sunday, but I'm assuming they would have Ramsey uh, shadow A.B. if Boye is going to be out. That's what they're doing in these recent weeks. But, I mean, I think it's still a matchup that we got to be confident in A.B. And, I mean, Ramsey hasn't played as good as he has last season. It's still a threat. I mean, it doesn't help his ceiling or anything like that. But, look, I know A.B. on the road isn't, you know, averaging 30 points like he does at Heinz Field, but he's still averaging 20.4 on the road since 2014, which if you just use that average versus normal receivers, the only guys averaging more points are Julio and OBJ. So, road Antonio Brown is still a force to be reckoned with, even in, even in this tough matchup. I think he's more than capable of winning it. I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. I, I saw a guy that's cheaper that uh, could be interesting GPP play, but uh, Traquan Smith, I know last week he got zero targets for some reason, but, you know, that depth chart is pretty thin. You know, that's why they brought in Des Bryant, who got hurt as well. So just do you guys see any potential there with him or have any explanation why he saw zero targets? But, you know, this matchup against the Eagles with their cornerback situation, I think that he could be a sneaky upside play. I need to look into that more. They also signed Brandon Marshall, but yeah, I need to look into that more. Pete, I think the real question is Amari Cooper, 5,400 playing in Atlanta, potential shootout game going against a secondary that isn't that good. Would you dare go Amari this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm fine with Amari. Um, I've been pretty encouraged uh, with Dallas so far. I mean, he's still getting wide open sometimes, and they're not finding him. But uh, he's definitely the the number one target, which is good. And you know, if we can see Zeke in this offensive line play well again, uh, should set up for some big plays. So I'm fine with it at that price tag. There certainly is a, a really big ceiling. It's indoors. Um, I don't know if he's a, a guy I would consider in cash, but uh, yeah, he's. I've been pretty happy with him so far. What are your guys' thoughts on Amari uh, through two games with Dallas? Yeah, I like – you know, they're they're forcing the ball to him. So, you got to love that. Um, I, I was actually down on him going to the Cowboys. I, I just didn't think he was, he was going to, you know, get involved in that offense early on because they just have so many guys. But he's so much better than everybody else that they've, you know, appropriately been just forcing the ball to him and giving him a bunch of targets. So, I underestimated how – much his stock was going to go up going to the Cowboys. Yeah, 10 targets last week, uh, six catches for 75 yards. And, man, he had a couple plays that uh, where he got wide open uh, and Dak just didn't have time to get it to him. But, man, uh, it's it's good to see him in a little bit better situation as an Amari truther. Why couldn't he go to, like, the Chiefs <laughs> or freaking the Rams or something like that? But, uh, yeah, it's definitely better than Oakland. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit about tight ends here. You have uh, Zach Ertz, Jimmy Graham. Um, anyone on this slate sort of catching your eye? And uh, Ian, let's kick it to you. Yeah, man, I think it's hard just to not try to squeeze in Zach Ertz at this point. I mean, he's legitimate, legitimately like a number one uh, receiver. Just forget about tight ends and wide receivers in general. The only guys with more targets per game this year, any position, are Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., and Adam Thielen. I mean, 11.1 targets is pretty tough to ignore, especially on a slate where we're not going to have Gronk. We're not going to have Travis Kelsey on that main slate. So I just think there's a massive difference between him and everyone else where, I mean, I, I don't see another tight end on this slate that I don't really have major questions about. I know uh, the Saints have been pretty good in general against tight ends, but I mean, again, Ertz is lined up in the slaughter as a wide receiver on 54% of his snaps. So he's, he's far from your kind of typical tight end. Uh, no one in that secondary, I think, can really guard him and, Look, I mean, he scored 12 touchdowns in his last 18 games with Wentz, so I think he uh, makes it 13 out of 19 here. Pete, any thoughts at tight end? 
yeah, I'm, I'm going to be all in on Ertz. Um, Ertz is my most heavily owned player in best ball this year. I've been playing him a ton in every slate that I can. He's just clearly the number one option. I was a little worried about Golden Tate, and maybe that will limit his targets down the road. But, uh, yeah, until that happens, I'm, I'm going to lock and load Ertz uh, on a slate where we don't have Kelsey. Um, there are some other cheap tight ends. I mean, guys we've looked at all year. Jared Cook, uh, his volume's been a little disappointing, but 3,900 on DraftKings, he's enticing. And then, man, Jordan Reed, at some point, hopefully he has a big game. I mean, it's just been devastating to roster him all year. Last week, at least he didn't put up a total dud with four catches, 51 yards. But, yeah, 3,800, uh, probably the cheapest he's ever been on DraftKings. Uh, I'll look that up at some point. But I, my guess is that's the cheapest price tag he's ever had. Yeah, I love Ertz, and it was just funny how we, or I could say myself, kind of thought that Golden Tate would um, sort of suppress Ertz, uh, Aguilar, and Jordan Matthews, and they all had, you know, their best game of the season each. Um, So uh, I will have a ton of Ertz. He's just the safest play. I think there's only one game this year where he failed to either uh, put up 70 yards or a touchdown, so he's just as consistent as you can get at a position that's, you know, typically just a dumpster fire. And yeah, you know, Pete mentioned him. I I was looking at Cook as a potential cheaper GPP play, but I I don't know how he wouldn't get, you know, like 10 targets right now. If Ortavis Bryant's out, Jordy Nelson is highly questionable. Um, I I don't really know who else they can force it to right now. So I love Cook and Jordan Reed, you know, he's cheap. And if, if you want a guaranteed four catches for 50 yards and no touchdowns, he's your guy. He's not really going to do much more or less. So he's kind of just like a high floor play at that cheaper price if you want to go that low. But um, I, I don't think there's too much reason to, to um, go outside of Ertz this week. Are there any uh, high-priced guys? Ian, you mentioned Cam Newton earlier. But uh, anyone uh, that potentially could be chalky uh, or you know it has a high salary that you just absolutely kind of want to stay away from this week? Yeah, I'm worried about DeAndre Hopkins a little bit moving forward. Uh, I know, I think Sean was talking him up a little bit, and I get it. I mean, he, he can win any matchup, and Redskins have allowed the most yards per game to opposing number one receivers. I'm not worried about really even Josh Norman locking him up in a shadow matchup, but we just I haven't seen the same volume out of this uh, Texans pass offense ever since Watson just got the absolute shit beat out of him in that Cowboys game uh, back in week five. I mean, look, the first 12 games of Watson's career, he only threw fewer than 25 passes twice. He's done that in four straight games since that week five. I mean, it's, I mean, look, he couldn't even take the plane to the next game. I think it's pretty clear they've been slowing the game down, trying to pass the ball less and uh, move forward as more of a, you know, Watson-friendly offense, keep him healthy. Yes, they just have this bye week, so that could change things. Uh, if he is healthier, I assume they'll move back to that. But he's averaging two fewer rush attempts per game. We've seen Hopkins targets accordingly go from 11.4 in weeks one through five to just 8.3 weeks six through nine. Again, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Hopkins come away with his usual 70 yards and a touchdown, but I'm just not sure if we're going to see the usual uh, sky high ceiling out of Hopkins and Watson moving forward. Sean, uh, how about you? Have you identified anyone who's kind of higher salary that you might be looking to avoid? I would say Drew Brees would be the guy. And, you know, we all know his ceiling is enormous. And this is a great spot against the Eagles. We talked about their their injuries in the secondary. But I think with Breeze and, you know, the Saints, they're my number one power-rated um, team right now. They're, they're probably the best team in the league, in my opinion. Um, but his floor is much lower than people realize. And we've seen it pop up um, time and time again, you know, uh, just a couple weeks ago with Taysom Hill 
taking goal line snaps. Uh, he, he had a play where he just, you know, threw a jump ball to Ben Watson and he dropped it for a touchdown. But, you know, his involvement in the red zone is, you know, suppressing Breeze my mouth a little bit because I have to give Taysom Hill some uh, touchdown equity. Uh, you know, if, if Kamara and Mark Ingram get, you know, goal line carries and whatnot, it, it can really lower a guy like Breeze's floor. And he's the most expensive quarterback. So I think it's just strategic play to fade him and possibly go to a guy like Carson Wentz, who's around that same price. So I don't think he's going to have much ownership at all. But uh, I think we could be due for a, a ceiling game from Wentz um, at the Superdome. Uh, we've seen the Eagles basically abandon forming any kind of running game. So I think uh, a good pivot for me would be uh, playing Wentz over Drew Brees this week. Are you up for uh, adding in to the props that you already have slated? Uh, just a simple Drew Brees fantasy points uh, over under prop on what you have now in the models? Absolutely. Yeah, I could add that to the, our QB okay, props. Let, let's do that. Sure. All right, Pete, uh, anyone high salaried you might be looking to avoid? Yeah, interesting that, uh, you know, um, Ian and Sean is probably two guys that I'm pretty high on. Uh, the Drew Brees thing for sure. Valid concern. One of my bigger mistakes this year uh, was not having the Drew Brees stack. I had a ton of Goff, a ton of Michael Thomas, a ton of Kamara in that Rams game, but I didn't have the combination of Brees, Kamara, Thomas. And that's what ended up winning the luxury box. Brandon Adams took first and second with that combination. And Drew Brees was 6%. Uh, and I didn't play him as much because of the concern with Taysom Hill. Now, I... I still think that that's a valid concern. I definitely don't want to chase my tail. I just think that the way you beat Philadelphia is through the air. And I think Drew Brees will be that guy. So I still like him, but I get the fade. Uh, I'm, I'm higher on Hopkins in the end. I think we'll continue to see uh, his usual role. I know the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, it's not the same ridiculous targets. Uh, six, eight, seven, twelve, the last four versus double digit basically every week. But uh, in this spot, um, I think that they will be throwing the ball. So I still like him. Uh, the guy that I'd be most willing to fade for sure is Antonio Brown. It has a lot more to do with Big Ben than it does AB. Um, and I think other people might be on that same fade. So in that regard, it's not as good. But I have no problem shorting this Pittsburgh offense uh, going into Jacksonville um, in a 1 p.m. game. They played awesome last time we saw them. I think a lot of people are going to load up. People also remember the the game that they had versus Jacksonville in the past where they put up a lot of points. But I'll continue to short uh, the pass catchers for Big Ben when he's on the road on 1 p.m. games. Uh, but he is cheaper, and Antonio Brown can win any matchup. I just think uh, there's some guys I'd much rather pay for. I like Hopkins more and definitely would rather spend up to get to Beckham or Michael Thomas than they this week. Let's talk about uh, individual games. So, obviously, the Eagles-Saints game, that is a 54.5 point over-under right now. Highest total on the slate. And the, the Bucks at Giants, that also has a high total. Are there any other games right now that are catching your eye as uh, potential stacking targets? And uh, Ian, let's start with you. Yeah, the one I think could be a little sneaky uh, shootout potentially is Titans at Colts. Uh, I know this Titans defense is a lot better than really anyone thought moving in. Number one scoring defense. Obviously just saw them do a great job against New England. Had a nice primetime game against Dallas. But I'm thinking what better time for a letdown than a little uh, road divisional matchup going up to Indy. Andrew Luck has thrown uh, at least three touchdown passes in six straight games. That's the fourth longest streak in NFL history. I mean, seemed like as soon as kind of everyone was ready to write him off for kind of uh, dinking and dunking the ball now and not having the same arm strength he just done nothing but throw a touchdown since so you know getting the usual uh luck ty hilton inside lucas oil stadium 
uh, could be maybe under owned against this, you know, again, approved Titans defense. And then on the other side of the ball, I think we have Corey Davis, who you know, he's had the volume all year, finally starting to put it together. And he's finally coming off. Uh, I mean, it seems like every single week in my wide receiver cornerback column, it's one tough shadow matchup after another. I mean, he was able to beat up on a Stephon Gilmore last week. And this week, I just don't think there's really anyone in the Colts secondary capable of checking him. So I'll have a uh, plenty of exposure to Luck, T.Y., Corey Davis, and maybe uh, some Deion Lewis as well for reasons guys have already mentioned. Yeah, you hit the the main, my main two. Uh, but another game I like is the Panther line game. I just think there's a ton of – Stacking options there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's uh, been tearing it up. And we, we actually saw the Panthers cut C.J. Anderson. For some reason, I thought he'd play a prominent role in the offense this year. And I was uh, poorly mistaken. So, you know, uh, some naked Cam Newton stacked with, uh, you know, like Kenny Galladay or Kerryon Johnson. We're, we're going to have to wait and see on Marvin Jones' status. But I, I just think this game is going to be pretty easy to stack. And I think it's the second highest uh, total on the slate. But I think it might be overlooked. I definitely think my favorite game that, uh, you know, isn't the Eagles-Saints game is this Colts game. And Deion Lewis is a perfect kind of bounce-back play after he screwed everyone last week. Corey Davis played incredible, and, you know, Ian hit on it. I mean, the Colts just throw so much and play at such a high pace. I think it's a, a really stackable game. Doyle, too, I think is someone I'll definitely go back to uh, after Ebron just ran crazy hot. So a lot of really good plays in the high game and uh, certainly one I, I want to look to stack. And then it's just kind of the usual spots. The only other game that's interesting to me on the Arizona side in particular, that Oakland-Arizona game, that's a really, really low total. But I still think there's some good fantasy goodness on the Arizona side with Oakland just completely mailing it in and the new offensive coordinator. But I cannot stack that game because I will not be taking anyone on Oakland with the exception of maybe Jay. Richard. In the ghost of Amari Cooper. Okay, let's talk about some bold calls here. One bold call for a game, one for fantasy. Uh, Ian, let's start with you. Bold call for the game is I think the Colts beat the Titans by at least a touchdown. I believe they're two-point favorites right now. Again, just think the public's really high on the Titans, a little bit of a letdown spot. And yeah, like uh, Pete mentioned with that pace too, this is projected to be the week's highest paced and fastest moving game. Uh, bull call for fantasy. I think Julio Jones breaks 30 DraftKings points for the first time this season. Uh, I know the Cowboys defense is a lot better. Byron Jones is, if he's not still PFF's number one corner, he's up there. But they haven't moved their cornerbacks at all. And really the only elite receiver they've faced since uh, Odell Beckham Jr. in week two has been DeAndre Hopkins, who we saw go for 151 yards. So I just think uh, Dallas could have a problem here if they're just going to play their usual defense and not really adjust to Julio because – I mean, we've seen him just finally starting to find the end zone uh, lately, but still haven't quite seen that token Julio eruption spot. So I think it comes this week. Sean, thoughts? Uh, so for real life, um, I, I was going to do the Mexico City game. I'll stick with it. But um, that game will be under 52 and a half points. I think it'll be high scoring, but lower scoring than people think. The, the Rams winning something like 27-24. Uh, my reasons were going to be the field. Look like he's in rough shape. And then I was going to have some um, <laughs> crazy predictions of Mahomes not getting used to the elevation, just zipping it over his guys. But uh, he's not going to have that problem here in L.A. But I I'm still going with this game is going to be lower scoring than uh, people think. So under 52 and a half total I points. I like that. I like and that. then I'm going to uh, stay negative for the DFS bold call, too, that Drew Brees will have less than 15 DraftKings points this week. Um, I already explained it before, just the potential for a low floor game. Um, to be fair, but before everybody tweets at me, like I still love Drew Brees this week. I could just see his floor being lower than people think. That's, I mean, it's your bold call. It's fine for you exactly. to be. Exactly. It's fine for you to stretch a little bit on the bold call. Uh, Pete, what do you got? 
Yeah, I'm going to say the Falcons win by double digits. Uh, love this spot for the Falcons after Dallas coming off a win. I think the Dallas team is a bit of a mirage and uh, Atlanta now. Coming back home, uh, I'm going to take them winning by, by 10 points. Um, and I'll say that the game stack here is, is the winner with Amari Cooper on the way back, which is very bold considering how much money Amari Cooper's cost me and other DFS owners out there. I like the Julio call, so it's just bringing it all together. Matt Ryan, Julio, maybe Tevin Coleman or something, and then Amari uh, Cooper on the way back. Man, Pete, you, you totally you stole it from me. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's my bold call. Uh, Falcons, they're favored by three and a half. I think they win by double digits. And uh, I have much more angst wrapped up in this as, as a, a love-hate Cowboys fan. Obviously, the Falcons have been poor on the road, especially outdoors, but they're great at home in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, I think there will be a bounce back. And for the Cowboys, they did a lot of uncharacteristically right things last week in that they were, you know, they were aggressive. They had the fake punt. Uh, they lined up to go for it on fourth down early in the second quarter. They just played with a different mindset. And like, I wish, like, going back in time, I could have like seen this this game and kind of like the like the bigger context like this was a get up game on the road against division rivals against the world champs against the team that sent out a kicker on the stage at the draft in Dallas to mock them about missing out on a tight end named Dallas the same day their longtime tight end retired like this was just like such a clear smash spot last week for the Cowboys and then a clear like letdown spot for the Cowboys this week, you know, the week before Thanksgiving game. Like I just see this as kind of like the sandwich spot where they're not going to be prepared. Plus the Falcons getting Deion Jones back in the middle of the, the defense. So I think that is actually a, a really big thing. Uh, so yeah, Falcons by 10. I'm right there with you. Bold call for fantasy last week. I said that Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle would combine for three touchdowns against the Jags, which is like the greatest call I'm ever going to have in my life. So I should just retire, but I'm, I'm going back to the anti-Jags. Well, uh, Vance McDonald and Jesse James, I think combined for two touchdowns against the Jags this week. Um, the Jags can be exploited in the middle of the field. And I think with Ramsey, I, whom I'm expecting to shadow Antonio Brown, um, I think there will be more incentive to stay away from him a little bit, which could funnel targets to the tight ends. So uh, that's my bold fantasy call. I mean, either way, I'm going to be looking at uh, individual props for some of those players, uh, which brings us to the prop betting segment of the show. Sean sets lines for us specifically on players about whom he has questions earlier in the week, and then we help him sharpen those lines, presumably with our action. Uh, a reminder, Sean's projections power the Fantasy Labs models as well as our props tool, which aggregates the player props from online sports books, compares them to Sean's projections, and shows you which bets provide the most value. This season, the props with a bet quality of 10 are 179, 89, and 6, good for a hit rate of 65%. Be sure to check out the props tool at Fantasy Labs for subscribers only. Sean, according to Scott, the intern, for the second week in a row, you were the only person above 500 uh, last week at 22 and 11. That that's three winning weeks in a row. Uh, you are starting to heat up, starting to learn how to exploit the biases that Pete and I have. I see what you're doing. I don't like it. Uh, on the season, you are 142-168, uh, so you're creeping back. Uh, you can't keep a good man down. Our guests are 62-50. and 50. I'm a humble 63-41. and 41. Uh, This is basically the only thing in life that I've shown any aptitude for, so uh, Sean, don't take this away from me. And Pete is dead last at 43-51. and 51. 
Um, Pete, whenever you send me those six packs, maybe throw in a few bottles of New Belgium and Odell with your Coors Light. Uh, okay, Sean, what props do you have for us this week? So first off, let me just say that uh, this week I'm struggling a little bit less because my six least favorite teams project are all on by this week. The Bills, Browns, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, and 49ers. So um, thank you for scheduling all those teams to be on a bye the same week. So this is this is like a vacation week for me. Um, so my first prop is what will be greater this week? Total interceptions thrown by Ryan Fitzpatrick, pass attempts thrown by Jameis Winston, or Ty? This is a great prop. Uh, I'm going to say interceptions by Fitzpatrick. Interceptions by Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I got the same here. This uh, like this Giants defense is just bad enough to make uh, to bring them to bring the magic back in Tampa Bay for at least a week. All right. Next up, uh, Deshaun Watson total rushing yards this week. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's critical to uh, his, his final projection this week. Um, right now, I have his over under at thirty two and a half. Under. I don't have a strong lean though. I'll go strongly and under. I don't know. I think it's a problem here, this usage recently. I mean, he is banged up. I've never had a bruised lung and a cracked rib or whatever he's dealing with, but I'm not sure if seven days without football is going to heal all that. And, uh, you know, we got Washington out there running a good amount of zone coverage. Cam and Dak each had under 45 rushing yards. Uh, Could be tough sledding. And uh, we'll see how he likes to get hit hit a a bunch behind that offensive line that really hasn't gotten any better. So we'll see. I'm sold. I'll take the under. (laughs) (laughs) all right well rooting for the over on that one and then i'm throwing in the bonus uh prop for you friedman uh drew Brees dk points i will float 23.8 over 22.6 is what you currently have in the models (laughs) just saying i'm taking over still well now you know i moved the line up a little bit yeah uh, i'll I'll take the over, but that's that's cheap. That's that's Bush League, but I'll still take the over. I'll go under here. I like some of the points uh, Sean brought up. Um, and then going off the main slate, uh, we, we have to have a prop for this Chiefs-Rams game. The total passing yards for the game. Um, I will offer you guys six, 18 and a half. Over now that it's in LA. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the over. Over. I couldn't move that high enough. All right. Running back. Um, which Eagles running back will put up the most DK points this week? Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, or Josh Adams? Um, I can't figure it out, so I'm going to let you guys help me out with this one. Uh, I will go with Wendell Smallwood. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely taking Wendell Smallwood because the game flow, I think he's clearly the pass catching back. Uh, Wentz even talked about that, so I'll take him. But, man, it's been frustrating. All those guys are just terrible, and I need Clement to do something. So I'm wondering if maybe Josh Adams isn't terrible. I'm, I'm taking him. His, uh, his snaps have gone up four straight games. All these guys have had between 9 and 16 carries over the last two games. Adams is averaging 6.8 yards per rush. Smallwood's at 2.8, and Clement's at 2.1. I feel like uh, Josh Adams is the Aaron Jones of Philadelphia, and Smallwood and Clement are combining to be Jamal Williams. So hopefully Adams can uh, break out here soon. Yeah, I mean, Adams is really interesting. Uh, he was very productive in college, uh, still a young guy, uh, entered the draft after his true junior season, a big-bodied guy who was pretty agile um, for a guy of his size. So, like, it's, I, I think it's a surprise, honestly, that he went undrafted, and I could see him having some upside in his future. Uh, not in a game like this, but, uh, I don't know, he's, he's someone definitely to keep an eye on. Um, this is a... a- Pick them props, so you can either take Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, or any two running backs. 
to get more DK points. I'll take any two. Melvin Gordon, and I'm taking Kamara. I want to take DJ too, but. Yeah, I'll take the two running backs and go uh, different from Pete. Not worried about it, though. I got Ezekiel Elliott versus the Falcons. Even though Deion Jones is back, I mean, like, you know, they still allow the most receptions to running back the last three seasons, uh, even with Deion Jones in there. Hopefully they can actually stop the running backs after they catch the ball uh, moving forward, though. And then, uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take David Johnson versus Oakland. Really like what they've been doing since uh, Byron Leftwich took over. It's all funny stats. David Johnson, uh, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, and uh, Ricky Seals-Jones all have at least 13 targets with uh, Leftwich calling plays. No one else has more than three, so I appreciate the Madden-esque uh, target distribution there. I'm going with Melvin Gordon and Christian McCaffrey. All right, uh, yeah, I figured nobody would go with the Burke. I'm, I'm sort of biting the bullet on that one. I, I really love him this week, so willing to float that out there for you guys. Next up, I, I have to go off the main slate again. I think a lot of the interesting guys are sort of not on the main slate this week, but uh, how many rushing yards will Aaron Jones have on Thursday Night Football? I'm setting his line at 74 and a half. Under. I'll take under and just, yeah, there's there's some variables where it cannot work out for him. So I'll take yeah. under. But I, I like Aaron Jones, finally, free Aaron Jones. That's not a great spot. I'll take the over, though. Uh, K.J. Wright's looking questionable, which could hurt the Seahawks. And we have seen, I mean, Zeke Gurley and Melvin Gordon each went for over 110 uh, against Seattle. So I don't think their run defense is impenetrable. Uh, yeah, happy to see Jones finally getting all these touches, though, at least. All right, moving to wide receiver, Antonio Brown receiving yards at Jacksonville. Right now I have it at 84 and a half. Under. Yeah, I'm going to go under. Uh, Antonio Brown has really been – he's been uh, – I'm not going to think of the right word here, but uh, we'll just say helped. He's been helped, which is the weakest word I could use, uh, by touchdown production this year. Like it's really camouflaged a lot of inefficiency on a per-target basis that he's had. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going with the under. Yeah, that's a good point, Freeman. I mean, he hasn't even had over 105 yards in a single game, which – Raby, that's a, not great, but I'll take the over here still. I mean, we saw him go for 157 and 132 against Jacksonville last year. I know it's still a tough matchup and everything, but I just feel like he can still at least get you 90, especially if, uh, um, you know, he is able to kind of line up in the slot a good amount and still avoid Ramsey for a few snaps because once you're past him, I mean, it's nobody in that secondary without Boye, so. Hopefully, he can take advantage of those few opportunities. All right, next up, uh, I have to have a Julio touchdown prop. We, we've now seen a touchdown two straight games from him, so I'm getting excited. But um, I can't just give you guys really score a touchdown. I still think it's left less than 50%. Um, so I'm doing an and or prop for you guys. Uh, so will Julio Jones score a touchdown and or clear 112 yards versus Dallas? Did you raise the yardage line knowing that we are all high on Julio? Uh, no, I, I raised it to be close to 50-50. I'm not really okay. uh, setting okay. a trap here or anything. Okay. Slam dunk, yes. I love Julio this week. Even though I know it's a tough matchup, yada, yada, yada. I, Julio is too good. I got Julio too. I mean, again, only really elite guy we've seen him face last, uh, last two months has been DeAndre Hopkins, who went off. So looking forward to seeing what Julio can do against Anthony Brown and uh, Chidobia Wuzier. Yeah, I'm right there. I'll take Julio. Going back to the Golden Tate prop, um, didn't really do much last week. I think he only played 18 snaps, so I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble setting his number uh, this early in the week. Right now, I have his um, receiving yards at 52.5 at the Saints, which is, I think, the line I used last week, and everybody crushed the over. 
That worked out well. <laughs> I'll take under. I'll take the under as well. But, I mean, 18 snaps versus P.J. Williams is like 50 versus anyone else. That's true. I'll take the over, but I don't feel nearly as confident about it this week. Moving over to tight end, had to come up with an Ertz versus the field prop. Um, I'm not letting you guys pick four tight ends or anything like that. What I'm going to do is you can either take Ertz plus three and a half or the top scoring tight end for the main slate. Ertz plus three and a half. Give me all the Ertz this week. Leverage. Yeah, I'll definitely take Ertz three and a half. I thought we were going to be talking a six-point line or something. I feel like that's – I don't know. I'll do, I'll do it. I'll take the Ertz side, but I, I don't want to. It feels fishy, but I'm just yeah. biased towards Ertz. <laughs> oh Eric, Eric Ebron's on this slate, so – Anything's possible. Good point. I should switch. Speaking of Eric Ebron, I love getting a point and a half versus Doyle last week. I felt bad about it at the time, but man. <laughs> so his DK point total this week, uh, I'm not willing to throw out a yardage total, but um, DK, DK points over under nine. Under. Definitely under. I think he's going to keep getting the red zone targets because, I mean, why not if he's playing this well? But it's just 38 snaps over the last two weeks. Doyle 105, 6 to 10 targets for Doyle. It's got to regress at some point, right? I'm going over. (laughs) Like, he has 12 end zone targets on the season. And I know some of that came in, in, uh, you know, the period of time where Doyle was out. But, like, he's – you're right that the snap share is very disconcerting. Um, But his – his red zone usage, um, I think, really gives him a boost. All right, Ian, what pieces do you have coming out this week? Did one today. Two came out today. One on the tight end landscape uh, across the league. Another one on um, the most fantasy friendly schedules for uh, different players entering the fantasy playoffs. You can check out. I'll have a wide receiver cornerback out by Thursday, Magic Manifesto out by Thursday. I'll have both of those articles on single game level level for this uh, Rams and Chiefs come Saturday probably. So a bunch of stuff on the horizon. Uh, thanks for having me on, dudes. Yeah, uh, thank you for gracing us with your presence. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network NFL Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the pod for all of our upcoming episodes. For Peter Jennings, Sean Corner, and Ian Harditz, I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. See you again next episode.